So do you remember the office prank? Have you ever done one of those? Has anyone ever been, no one's going to raise their hand because they don't want to have a bill sent to them by your work, right? I, I might or might not have been involved in one or two office pranks. Um, I will show you some examples of things that, um, depending on what you think is appropriate, you may or may not want to do. Um, there is always that day every year that people just kind of go nuts, like April Fool's Day. You've, you're familiar with that. Um, I found it's quite effective to get a couple of Krispy Kreme donut boxes, although it's hard to do now around here. Uh, you got to go to Conway is the closest one. But just put those in the break room and put veggie trays in those and just watch. <laughs> now, can we all just agree there is never a reasonable time to ever serve a vegetable tray? There's just not. I mean, that's disgusting, okay? Cheese dip, fine. Veggie tray, no way. That's, that's kind of disgusting. I've also learned that um, if you're familiar with chia pets, those seeds will grow almost anywhere. And if you have a coworker who's going on vacation, you can do a lot of fun things while they're gone. It, it works better if they have an office or a cube or something that is next to sunlight because it does grow faster with sunlight. I have found there's something to that, apparently. But probably one of my favorite things to do, and it'll only cost you like $1.29 at Hobby Lobby or Michael's or whatever hoarder's paradise that you might shop at. And um, they sell these things. I've always called them googly eyes. Uh, those little round white discs with the movable black thing and um, I've noticed that you know over the years before we really carried all of our pictures in our pocket people at their work at on their desk they would put pictures of their family on there to remind them that they had a family obviously right and it was always fun to interact with the people who just had babies because they were convinced their baby was the cutest thing that had ever happened and so I really had a nice run of putting googly eyes on their kids baby photographs <laughs> because it's really creepy and I think we ought to just leave this up here for a little bit because it's bothersome when you do things like that. Listen, I'm going to tell you, we didn't talk about office pranks in this series. I get the, the fun of closing out this series, and isn't it good, isn't it cool that we've had a series on work, finally, that didn't end with a special contribution? Isn't that good? Now, if you're so inclined, however... There are plenty of elders and staff members who would be happy to accept your gift. But isn't it fun that we've been able to actually do this? We didn't do this when I was growing up. We would just refer to the doctor or the lawyer or whatever. We didn't talk about just regular work. I don't know why, but work is an offering. Work is a gift. Work is something that is good. And the older I get and the less I'm able to sleep, the more I think, hey, work's kind of cool, I guess. I mean, it's really interesting how your perspective changes on it. But we have to deal with something that we haven't dealt with yet. And that is what is driving this, I don't know any way, other way to describe it other than this tension that occurs right now in your home, in your life, what are some of the drivers of those? Because there are some trends in the modern workplace in America. 
especially in Western cultures, that are impacting you and that are impacting your psyche and impacting things that, you know, just affect your overall general ability to enjoy life. So today I want to unpack a couple of those things. There was a guy named Cyril Parkinson, Cyril Northcote Parkinson, um, that wrote a very unfortunate name, but um, he wrote an article in The Economist back in 1955 in November called Parkinson's Law. Now, some of you have heard of this, but for those of you who haven't, or just for generally getting us all on the same page, let me describe Parkinson's Law in just a few words. Parkinson's Law states that work expands to fill the space available for work. Make sense? Okay, that's great. Now, here's the problem. In the last five years especially, we have been treated to a vast array of devices and apps that save time and that make us more efficient and that make us better at what we do. And that's a good thing. But we have built this margin of reclaimed time and what happens? Work expands to fill the space available for work. So we find another hour and we end up working. So much so that an author named Juliet Shore, who is actually a really good author, wrote a book a few years ago called The Overworked American. She had some findings that really provoked a lot of a stir because she said that over the last 20 years, instead of freeing up time with all of our technology advances, employees have added the equivalent of one full month to their work life per year. So congratulations... You now work 13 months work of work in 12 months. Aren't you happy you're part of this generation? It's a good thing, right? I don't know. Maybe not because Parkinson's law I have found to just com- continually validate itself. And I'm telling you, Shore even goes on in her, in her book. She said, that's just the work part. She points out that we, we aren't even touching on all of the stuff you do at home, all of the chores you do. In fact, she even comes out and she says that husbands now do more work around the house than their wives do. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm sorry. That last part was a lie, okay? I just made it up. And, I, and, and I'm getting like amens over here. And if you could see your faces, you're so earnest, like, really, did she say that? And that part was a lie. The part about 13 months worth uh, work in a year, that's actually what she wrote about. So what we need to do is we need to unpack what are a couple, and there are many different trends that I see in the modern workplace. I'm going to share two with you today, two that are creating this tension. Now, I want you to understand Tension is not always bad, okay? I hear from, like, structural engineers that tension kind of keeps some bridges up, okay? So there are times where there is good tension, but I don't know statics. I don't do that math, okay? I can't put it into Excel. So what I do is I sit and I look and I observe, and I see what happens in my life and in people's lives that I care about, and I want to share with you two things that drive some of this tension. And the first one is actually a fairly new thing. It doesn't affect all of you yet, but it's working from home. Isn't that great? Working from home, which honestly, there was a day that uh, one of the first 
times early on when I was working from home and Tamara was home for the summer, she was like, are you going to be here all the time? And, and then one day she said, is this really what you do all day? You're like on calls all day long? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I do. But working from home has brought a new dynamic to us because now the wall is down. Work is home and home is work. And funny stuff can happen. We've gone from worrying about, will I get a good parking spot close to the office to, oh no, I'm on the call. Did I wear pants? I mean, it's a totally first world problem in the United States. And when you're on these calls and you're doing all this stuff from home, the home dynamic comes in. I recommend not doing office pranks at home. They know where you live. Okay, you don't want to do that part. But the reality is what we are facing now is work has come home. And this isn't new. This isn't a new phenomenon. People have been bringing work home for years. In 1998, when I first started working at Axiom, we did this thing where we brought our kids up to the office to trick-or-treat. Okay, so Tamara brings Ashton and Harrison up there, and they trick-or-treat, and then they go home. And there's a friend of mine, a work friend, who had his six-year-old kid with him, and he had his bag. He said, hey, I'll see you tomorrow. And I watched this kid, and he said, Daddy, why do you always bring your bag home? And he said, well, that's because sometimes daddy doesn't finish all his work at home, uh, all of his work, and he has to finish it up at home. And that kid looked at him so earnestly and said, well, couldn't they put you in a slower group? (laughs) And so I, being the great friend, leaned down and said, he's already in the slowest group right now. (laughs) Listen. We've been bringing work home for a long time. The challenge I have found working from home and having teams across the country that work from home is that you don't stop working. You end up working beyond work hours. And you pop up and you're watching television, but then you think, like me, I could go ahead and send those emails now and not have to do that in the morning. Work expands to fill the space available for work. And it is a challenge to us. And we've seen this stuff happen, and some hilarious things happen too. Fully two years before the pandemic, there was this interview that took place on the BBC. Some of you have seen it, many of you have probably seen it, but I just want to remind us of the hilarity. This is even before the pandemic. Look at this. This guy is being interviewed on BBC television, and here comes his daughter, and she's all happy. The host says, oh, looks like one of your kids is coming. But look in the back. Brother is not going to be outdone. He's hauling that bouncy seat in. And he's coming in. But the best part is, here comes mom, realizing that, oh no, the kids have gone in there and daddy is working. This is pre-pandemic. And this is great because if you watch the whole thing, you hear the kids wailing in the background after she gets them out. But fortunately, mom is kind enough to crawl back in and close the door. Listen, do you feel this tension if you work from the house? I'm curious if you would, if you work from your house at least three days a week where five years ago you didn't, would you raise your hand? Let's just kind of look. Look around. There is, a, there is a, a statistically significant number of people who do this now. At the height of the pandemic, 57% of 
people who could work from home in metro areas were working from the house. That's gone down to 37% today, but that's not the newsworthy item, okay? Because I have found the only people who want you to go back to the office are the executives who signed the lease on the office. But 57 down to 37, the real newsworthy item is in 2019, pre-pandemic, 7% worked from the house. We have a third of our workforce in metro areas that can work from home who are doing so. And that creates a whole new series of challenges that we haven't dealt with. But the second thing that I want to make sure that you guys are aware of is that we have this situation where culture in our workplaces have just become exponential. Now, I want to make sure that you understand what I mean when I say exponential, okay? I'm talking about things start building on themselves and everything that gets built on top of the previous thing is bigger. You know, if you were in sales, if you were any kind of executive with any kind of company, I call this the point where budgets become fantasy. You know, oh, you did that much revenue last year, let's just double that. What? Because everybody's looking for exponential growth and whatever it is. We want our phones to be exponentially better at making pictures or whatever it is that we want them to do. And let me give you a visual of it. Maybe this will help if, if we even had the space up here. If I said take 30 linear steps, because linear is the opposite of exponential. Linear is very straight line. If I said take 30 linear steps across here, how far would you go? That's a question that normally deserves an answer, but I'll help you out on this one, okay? Um, the World Health Organization, which I'm a little miffed at because in the 70s they told me saccharin was going to kill me, and now they're telling me Diet Coke is going to kill me, and I ain't stopping. So anyway, because um, I still don't know anyone who's had a problem with saccharin, but they say that the average stride of a human being is about a meter, now, I'm not, I don't go that far when I walk, okay, because I got shorter legs, but we'll just go with that for, to make the math easy. If the average stride is a meter and I say take 30 linear steps, how far would you go? Okay, that mumble translated, because you're speaking in tongues to a lot of people, 30 meters. That's what you all said, just in different ways. Now, if I said take 30 exponential steps, how far would you go? And remember, exponential builds on itself. So step one is one meter, but step two is two meters. Step three is four. Step four is eight. Step five is 16. And 32 and 64 sound like computer memory to you. I mean, how far would you go? Exactly. You would walk around the earth 26 times if you went that far. That's how many meters you would go. Check my math, because I've triple-checked it and had other people check it, okay? Because the reality is, this is impacting our workplace. This is impacting our life. You want to know why you feel exhausted? It's because your life has gone exponential. And I know there are some of you who still want it to be linear. I know that some of you still want to pop your Fleetwood Mac Rumors 8-track into your car. But it's not going to happen. Technology only goes one direction. And technology is undefeated versus your opinions of it. So this is going to continue. 
And it's going to continue to happen over and over. What happens when exponential meets the workplace? When it meets business? Well, let me show you this. Um, back in 1996, there was a company called Kodak. You remember it? Okay, so for those people of a certain age like me, we used to go and buy film. Now, for people under like 30, <laughs> that used to be this stuff that would capture pictures. Um, and we would go and have it developed. And when we turned it in, we said, and yes, yes to the double prints. And then years later, you will move and say, why did we get double prints? <laughs> I mean, that's what I've done in the last year and a half. So Kodak was riding high. I mean, they had a $28 billion market cap. They had 140,000 employees. Kodak was it. Let's fast forward just a few years. In 2012, Kodak was bankrupt with 17,000 employees. What happened? Exponential happened. Because Kodak had one fatal flaw. And they should still be ruling the world because Kodak held the patent for the digital camera. Steve Sasson, who is an engineer who worked at Kodak, created the digital camera for Kodak. And he shared it with the board of directors. And given my experience with boards of directors, they ain't always that smart a bunch, okay? And he goes in and he shares it with them and they ask one critical question. They said, will it sell more film? And he said, no, it won't sell any film. And they said, put it in the basement, don't bring it back. They made a decision on their future based on a linear mindset in an exponential world. Now, you want to see the inverse of that? In the same year that they went bankrupt, a little company called Instagram shows up. With 13 employees, but they had a market cap of a billion dollars with just 13 employees. And if you know the end of that story, you know that Instagram gets bought by Facebook for a billion dollars. Not too bad if you're one of the original 13. Now, that's what starts happening in our lives and in our businesses where we deal and where we work every day. The best picture I can show you that illustrates the difference between linear and exponential is the front page of USA Today from November of 2013 when Twitter goes public and Blockbuster closes. That is what it looks like. And that is what drives so much of the tension because the expectations on all of us in our work roles is heightened every time you walk in the door. And when that comes home or when that is actually your work out of the home, oh, You've got a recipe for all kinds of stress and tension and things that you've got to deal with. So how do we deal with this? Let me give you one example, and then we're going to wrap up. Um, and for this example, this is crowd participation, okay? Um, you're not early service, so you are awake. And early service did very, very poorly on this, okay? I told him I was going to make fun of him to you, and I totally am. The gloves are off, all right? I'm going to ask you a few questions, and let me just give you a layup. Um, what color is cotton? Oh, you guys did so much better than first service, okay? Let's keep that going. Uh, what color are clouds, typically? 
What color are the ends of a Q-tip? Oh, fantastic. What color are wedding dresses typically? What do cows drink? Yeah, uh, some of you talked to first service. Most of you said milk. Now, I know some of you smart Alex, because one of them texted me a picture of a calf being fed milk from a bottle. And I said, I said cow, not calf. Okay, so that was better than first service. Let's see if you can do this again, and here are the rules. All right, I need you to pay attention. Thank you, by the way, for doing that. Answer with the first word that comes to your mind. Okay, we're going to do it immediately, and I need you to answer together all out loud. Are you ready? What color are yield signs? We got one right in the front row, but the majority of you said yellow. Now, let me ask you something, okay? And also, before some of you folks get a little saucy with me and say, well, they used to be yellow. Yeah, that law changed in 1972. So while you can still, on occasion, go out to Elbow, Arkansas, or someplace like that, and pull back a bush and find a yellow yield sign that's been growing up around, guess what? They've been this color most of my life, okay? Here's what I've just done to you. What you've just experienced is something called pattern interrupt. And it's something that we can do to try and help alleviate some of the stuff that is going on in our workplace. Well, what is it? Pattern interrupt is like that verbal or visual cue that is a baseball bat that comes up against the side of your head and says, hey, snap out of it. But here's what happens when we live exponentially all day, every day. Our blinders start doing this. And we hone in on exactly what we're supposed to be doing. And we get in this rhythm and we're efficient and we're getting it done. And it's so good. And then we miss something. Jesus experienced this, okay? Jesus is the most exponential person to live. You don't think I'm right about that? Look at his teachings. They're all exponential. Look at what Jesus could have created a sign that just said, my church and planted it and stood there and been a greeter. But he didn't. He chose 12 dudes, and now, all these years later, you're here. That is exponential. Jesus thought that way. He taught that way. He did all of that. And I want to show you a period in Jesus' life out of Mark 6. If you'll turn or scroll over to that, as we wrap up, because this is something we got to see so that you, kn- you know that Jesus lived what you're living. And here's the setup. Jesus earlier in Mark had sent out the disciples to go and teach. And now they've come back and they're all excited. You know, they're telling Jesus, hey, Jesus, I ran across this guy. Hey, Jesus, I did this. And Jesus has just finished a, a long day of work being Jesus. And Then he looks at all those guys and the crowd's pressing in and he says, hey, let's go chill. Okay, he didn't say that, but 
He says a form of that. Look at what Scripture says. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. And then, because so many people were coming and going, that they did not even have a chance to eat. Have you been there? You look up and it's 3 o'clock and think, I missed lunch. Yeah, you have. You know. Hey, accountants during tax season, you know. I mean, you're just like, you know, trying to graze off the crumbs that are in the floor next to you because you don't know where you're going to be allowed out of your chair again. So Jesus says to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he was ticked because... He wanted to rest. No. Scripture says he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Here's what happens when your exponential world kicks in full throttle. Our blinders start to close and we stop seeing people for who they are. We start seeing them for what they do. And Jesus sees these people for who they are and he goes back to work. And he starts teaching. And then, by this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place. It sounds like they care about these people, but look at what they really care about. It's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat again with the food. But he answered, you give them something to eat. And then we get to the part of the story we always teach about. 5,000 hungry mouths later. We see what happens, but we don't often talk about the lead up to it. The reality that Jesus comes home from work just like you do, and he pulls up, and there are extra cars that you don't own in the driveway. You know that feeling, don't you? And you think, I'm so exhausted. I just can't. I can't. I can't deal with it. I can't do it right now. And then you also end up thinking, did they see me? Can I back out and leave real fast? I mean, this is the reason mac and cheese became a food group, because you get home and you walk into a whole other whirlwind of things going on, and you look up and it's 7.15 and you think, I I don't even have a clue for dinner. I I don't. I don't know what I'm going to do. Jesus has been there. He understands it. And he exhibits what we got to do. We've got to inject a little pattern interrupt into our lives so that we can even have a shot of doing all the good stuff we've learned in this series and especially have a shot at seeing people for who they are and not just for what they do. I want to close with just a view of one advertisement that I've always liked. It's a few years old, but I think it's very poignant and something that uh, really ties together with what I'd love for us to walk out of here today. Take a look. Things are gonna get easier Things will get brighter Someday We'll get it together And we'll get it all done Someday When your head is much lighter Someday We'll work in the race
child Things are gonna get easier be great if the world could see what a mom sees. I think it'd be even better if the world could see what God sees in other people. Maybe the pattern interrupt we need is people. Maybe the pattern interrupt we need to hold on to our humanity, to hold on to who we should be, the thing to give us a little pause in this exponential world we're living in is just to continue to take time to see people. So, today, I'm going to give you a little pattern interrupt. Because, you know, every week we close and Jonathan says, hey, if the prayer teams would take their place somewhere, somebody sent out an email and says, don't go to the prayer teams, they're a demilitarized zone. I mean, because we don't get near as many people coming and praying with us as we used to. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this a little different. We're going to have five needs-based prayer groups today. And I'm going to ask all of you to search in your heart and ask yourself, is this me? Is this someone I know that I care about that I could join that group and pray together for? Or if you just have a heart for people going through that particular situation, I'd invite you to take part in one of these groups. And don't worry, this ain't going to last 30 minutes. It'll just last 29. No kidding. It, we're, Josh and the worship team is going to sing a couple of songs while we do this. But let me tell you what they're going to be and tell you which areas they're going to be in. So first of all, uh, Jeff Copeland got drafted by me because he knows I like him. Uh, but he's one of our 242 group leaders, and he's agreed he's going to head up and lead a prayer group for us for anyone who has experienced or is going through, or has friends, or if you just have a heart for people going through job loss. If you've lost your job, if you would like some prayers, if you would like prayers of people around you, go over and be with Jeff for that group. Uh, the second group, uh, Todd Hart, where I know you're over here. Todd, if you'll kind of go over by that column. Uh, Todd is going to... Um, he is going to share a prayer with groups, uh, a group focused on those of you who may have had the blessing of uh, you've gotten a new job and you know all of the tension and excitement that come with that and those feelings about four months in of what have I done or when am I ever going to learn this stuff. It takes like six to nine months to even ramp up and that can be stressful. So if you would like prayers around a new job, go over to Todd's group. The third group, uh, Jimmy Cohn has agreed to lead, and uh, Jimmy is going to focus on those of you who are in a situation where you feel like, where you feel like the job is working you, but you're not working the job. And, and I think we've all been there. And so if you are feeling like you just have kind of lost control and it's just tugging you along, 
go and be with that group and join in the prayers of that group, and I think it will bless you. Um, Wes Walls, uh, he'll kind of be over in this area here. Uh, Wes has agreed to lead a prayer group for any of you who just feel completely overwhelmed at this intersection of work and home that we've been talking about today. If that tension is growing and getting bigger and bigger and bigger in your life, Go and be part of that prayer group with Wes. He's back there by uh, in the very back. And then the last one, and I'm just going to say this, and I, you know, I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable, but this, well, maybe I do want to make a few of you uncomfortable. This last group, um, Lynn Cook has agreed to lead this group, and this is a tough one because this is one of those things that we just we just don't talk about, and we should because it's out there. If you are involved in or, you know, if you know of somebody who is uh, dealing with or if you just have a heart for people who are going through or have gone through workplace harassment, and that could be sexual harassment, it could be racial harassment, it could be a hostile work environment. There's so many different types of that that go on that impede people's ability to even work. If that is you, or if that's someone you know, or if you have a heart to pray with and for people about that, go back and be with Lynn's group back there. But let's take this time as we close out this series to give God some prayer on those specific things. I appreciate everybody participating in that. Listen, this has been a great series, and the prayers don't stop here, okay? If you need prayers for any of these things, I know uh, the group in the back, we had some ladies there, so if you would prefer to have um, a little more private prayer time, if you're a lady, we've got ladies set up that you can go and pray with. But this is good. It's good that we can finally talk about these things. So what I'd like to do is if there are any of you who are new, any of you, this is your first time or you're just kind of exploring the PV family here. We are glad that you're here. If you'd like to know more, just uh, on the screen behind me or on the screen uh, in front of you, if you're streaming, you can text the word next step to that number. You can also, if you're interested in learning more about baptism, text the word water uh, to that same number. We are so bougie up in here. I'm telling you, we got, we got this set up. So, uh, but it's kind of, it's kind of great because we get a lot of different things. And if you're new and you came in and you think these people are all going to have it all together, I hope you've been disappointed because we haven't got it together. Uh, we are all fellow strugglers. I said in first service, we're all a mess which is why we need a Messiah. You're welcome. Uh, But thank you. No, seriously, don't. Um, So what I'm going to do is I'd like to leave you with a benediction. Folks, thank you for being part of this as we go out into the week this week. May God bless you. May you look to him as your North Star so that you can find the interruption in your life that you need so that you can have a more fulfilled life at work and at home. Go in peace.